Listener Production. Welcome to Fail with Greta Lee Jackson, where I speak to well-known and successful people about moments where they failed and it eventually turned into something that helped them on the road to success. Success can rapidly turn into failure if you are measuring it by the approval of other people. I have been making stuff and putting it out into the world for a while now. And truly, there is no better way to fully live and breathe the phrase hit and miss. There was one particular miss I actually wrote down and made, which involved the following. A toilet cubicle, simulated doggy-style sex, and a meat pie. In the sketch, I was being done from behind and eating a meat pie. Mid-sex, I offer the pie to the bloke, he declines, and I continue to eat the pie. End of sketch. I thought it was going to be hysterical. I was wrong. My parents saw it and they were horrified. They demanded I take it down. They were right, it wasn't great, but we all know that the historic reaction to your parents telling you to do something is to not do it. But I stubbornly kept it up and I didn't listen to them out of some misplaced sense of rebellion, only to take it down years later when I realised how gross and confronting it was. So I'll say this now. Sorry, Mum and Dad, you were right and I was wrong. As for the meat pie eating during sex, everyone, don't knock it till you try it. Rosie Waterland is the quintessential girl who made it. She became a published author at age 28, releasing her memoir about her traumatic childhood, The Anti-Cool Girl. She then went on to detail a story of excruciating loss in her second book, Every Lie I've Ever Told. In her podcast, Mum Says My Memoir Is A Lie, she puts it all out there, from her horrific childhood to her rebellious teen years and battles with mental illness. But the downside about being so open about her life, as she found out, is the judgment of others. I read um, uh, Every Lie I've Ever Told. It was fantastic. Oh, thank you. It was so good. So, like, is is it a surprise when people tell you, I imagine people tell you this all the time, that it's relatable? Yeah, people say that to me all the time. Despite Um, it being so uniquely you and, you know. I think so. I mean, I think it was the same with my first book, uh, The Anti-Cool Girl, because I had a very difficult childhood like my parents were addicts I grew up in the foster system and so I wrote this book about my childhood that was very specific in its experience but then also I was just a normal kid so it's universal in its experience like I was you know getting my first period and I hated my older sister for being perfect and beautiful and all that kind of stuff and so I guess it's you know it's the same with anybody you live universal experiences on your own unique backdrop so that's sort of just how I yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. So, having gone through all that, I mean, I mean, you, you do deal, detail chapters in the book, like now I've made it and all the things. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But was doing that sh- that last show was that like high point? Do you think, or um, something you always wanted to do? With yeah, I mean, because I went to I went to drama school. Um, for you know, so I'm a trained thespian. Oh, excellent! <laughs> Three years full time, my friend. <laughs> um, and then I studied writing at 
university. So I basically studied for six years and I was qualified to do, like, to be a waitress. And, uh, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you want fries with that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I, 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 had a, I had a BA majoring in performance studies. Yes, that's what I had. Oh, really? A BA in performance studies was my acting degree and then I had a BA in creative writing. Does anyone need so. their performances analysed? <laughs> yeah. Anyone? And here we are doing a podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And we've all ended up podcasters. I know. Oh, speaking of, that's really... Like I listened to the other episode today, the latest episode. God, that brave. The word brave gets thrown around a lot. Yeah, I think in association with you. But do you ever get sick and tired of it? But or, or do you see it as like that does sum it up? Well, I mean, I both feel of like, you are brave than that. Well, yeah, I feel like brave though is. <laughs> It's kind of cheating because, to be honest, I'm a I'm a storyteller, and you're an entertainer. You like to entertain people, right? Mm. Anything for a laugh, anything to engage with the audience, and so people say, "Oh, the stories you've told are so brave. Both your books are so brave. Your podcast with your mum is so brave." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I also just really wanted to use my stuff to tell really good stories." Yeah, <laughs> so, it's other people putting their shit onto you when yeah, they say it's brave. Like, I like, I'm an entertainer and I'm, you know, I take writing very seriously. I consider it a skill. I work really hard at it. And so all this stuff that I put out there, a lot of work goes into and it's really important to me to entertain people. And so I feel like, yeah, I guess it's brave, but also um, I just wanted to, like, I just wanted to tell cool stories Mm. and my life happens to be filled with a lot of pretty cool stories. So why not use them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because I think that brave thing is people putting their insecurities on you like, oh, how could I? Because I was reading the book and I'm like, I will, honestly, I was like, how did she get the courage to say that stuff? Yeah. The really personal stuff. And and I'm like, I was considering doing, I might write a book, you know, and then I read yours, I'm like, there's no fucking way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, actually every lie I've ever told was hard to write because the first book, Everybody said that, like you revealed so much and and I was like, oh my God, I did. I'm hashtag so brave. Like I'm hashtag amazing, <laughs> hashtag real woman. Like, and I was, you know, hashtag caught girl up, boss. hashtag girl boss. I was caught up in my own bullshit. And then um, like I talk about in my show, Crazy Lady, I'd actually really been dishonest with myself about how honest I was being about the thing that I'm most vulnerable about, which is my mental health. Because in my first book, The Anti-Cool Girl, I talked about it all being in the past. And then in every... Yeah, that's la- shut away. That's yeah, done that's with. that's past Rosie. Mm. Like old Rosie was a crazy lady, not this one. And in every lie I've ever told, I had to admit, um, nah, I'm still a bit... I still got a lot of problems. I'm still a bit crazy. I tried to kill myself last year. Like, and so that was, that was actually very scary. Very vulnerable. Is it is it admitting it or is it acceptance? Like, you know what I mean? Like that, that makes it not in the past. If you accept that it is going to be part of yeah. your life. Forever, it, yeah. It stops being a threat because you've made it familiar? I think so. I think it's accepting it and admitting it. Yeah, um, right. I think, you know, I'm, I don't regret anything that happened in the last year. I don't regret ending up in hospital or anything because – it really did force me to realise that this is something that never goes away. Like I I was really happy talking about mental health because I honestly was telling myself that I had recovered and that's not... We all do that. We I all do that. <laughs> and I'm never going to... This is a chronic illness. I'm going to be dealing with it for my whole life. And I think the reason things went downhill so quickly for me last year is because I was refusing to admit 
that things could get that bad again. Like even as I was clearly my mental health was going downhill, I was like, nope, nope, that's old Rosie. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But if I was just admitting to myself that, you know, mental illness can come back anytime, like it's always, it's always going to be after something that you deal with. I think I would have handled it a lot differently. Oh, completely. It's that feeling of, well, I'll never have a breakdown this bad again yeah. or that bad. I'm <laughs> fine now. I'm yeah. fine. And it's denial. And then when the maybe the pangs or the signs or something uh, uh, show up, it's because you thought it was over, it has so much more shock yeah. now. Yeah. Like, I thought I dealt with this. Yeah. Whereas if you're in a state of like, oh, that's familiar. I recognise those signs. Let's work through it. Yeah. Because you've accepted it kind of thing. So that's. That's yeah. <laughs> that's what happened to me last year. I certainly, I think I just, I couldn't accept it. it. I've spent the last year like really getting to a much healthier place, which is interesting because I thought I was in the healthiest, best mm. place of my life. And mm. now I'm like, no, Rosie, you weren't. <laughs> you had a big like challenge to get to that. Well, it's like, I don't know about the universe, but something f- showed you that. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. so. Yeah, definitely. You've got like... It could have been the universe. Could have been the universe. Going, like it's not going away. Yeah. yeah. I, needed to, I needed to be taught that lesson. Um, can you tell me about... Because obviously you're very successful. We've got a lot of, lot of fans that bordering on sycophantic. Oh, yeah. Um, That's you, why I do my shows because I know they're the only ones who'll come. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know even what. if I bomb, they're still going to clap. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that is probably like most comics dreams, even though they won't admit it. They won't admit it. Um, but but yeah. I've cultivated it that way, honestly. Yeah. I'm very strict about my online following. Like I will block people in a second. Right. And I've had people email me and say, how dare you? Like I've been a fan of yours since, you know, your very first Bachelor recap and you blocked me on Facebook. And I'll think, well, I don't owe you anything. You said something mean, so I blocked you. See ya. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like my online following is curated. Such a lo- it's a curated, <laughs> lovely, amazing place where everybody's nice. It's like I have no tolerance cut policy. Wow, Wow, that's amazing. I didn't realise that. Yeah. But, yeah, I was just going to say, like, you have this career that, you know, a lot of creative women your age would envy you know it's like it's 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 really like so many achievements by such a young age but what I'm trying to get at is it hasn't been easy right like was there a time that it was really did you fuck something up or did you did you want to relate anything to me yeah maybe was a low (laughs) a low point on the way to the top okay (laughs) all right all right all right this is the Rosie Woodland exclusive (laughs) (laughs) I haven't talked about this before everybody has asked me about this and I never talked about it The lowest point was when I put up a post on Facebook and I basically got slammed by everybody in the online writing slash comedy slash every community that I admire and respect in the country, everybody thought I was a fucking dickhead. Um, And, okay, I'll tell you what happened. Tell me me what happened because I thought you dealt with... There was one post that the 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 body all the body stuff that you dealt with in and um oh yeah this isn't about my different. naked photo oh no the naked photo oh that wasn't a mistake I was happy uh, totally yeah. I'm like this is news yeah. um okay so back when I was doing bachelor recaps it was at the very height of that kind of frenzy when it was at its biggest and the posts were getting the most um, numbers and stuff and there was this 
girl, I won't say her name. This girl had quite a similar upbringing to mine and she reached out to me and we just kind of chatted and she seemed like she really wanted to be my friend and we got along quite well online. And so for the first time I was like, oh, I think I could actually be friends with one of these girls. And I don't make friends easily. I'm super shy and... um And I find it really difficult to, like, I feel like I'm probably not as big a part of the, like, comedy communities and the improv communities and stuff in this country because I'm too shy to insert myself into them. Like, I'm a very shy person. Right. And so to make new friends for me is really hard. And this girl kept reaching out to me and wanting to hang out with me. So finally I, like, went and hung out with her and we had this really fun night And we told a lot of like really personal stuff to each other. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think I've made a new friend, (laughs) which is like a big deal for me. And, um, and then she kept inviting me to like red carpet events. And I was like, "Mm, no, that's not really my thing. Like it, it, it just started feeling a little bit like she was more excited about people seeing us together. And so I was a bit wary, but she said, like, I was just psyched to have made this new friend. And then she started asking me a lot about how I wrote the recaps and how I did it and, like, how I went about getting the episodes early and stuff. And I was, like, telling her because I just thought she was interested. And then the next week um, a recap of hers went up on one of my direct competitors' websites. So she started doing her own versions in direct competition with me. And lots of people do them, so I was like... No, but she... But po- yeah, she poached your insight. I think so. And I felt like she'd pretended to be my friend and I don't open up to people very easily. And so I was really upset. Um, I felt really embarrassed. I felt kind of used. And I put up this post on my Facebook. <laughs> I put it on my, I, I blocked her from my private Facebook. So I wanted her to see the post. So it was very passive aggressive. Right, <laughs> right, by right, me. right. And I put up this post on my public Facebook, like basically saying, you know, I started doing these recaps and like lots of people have also started doing them and like, um, you know, whatever. I don't care. I think it's great that people do them, but like you're not as good as me and you'll never be as good as me. So fuck you. Keep trying. Like it was, I was being, I was really upset and it was impulsive and I was being passive aggressive. The raw reaction. Yes. It was my, it was literally my raw reaction. I was like, I can't believe I've been used by this person. I'm so upset. And um, and then I just went to bed and I didn't think anything of it and I woke up in the morning <laughs> and because I hadn't mentioned who it was about, every single person in the Australian online writing community assumed it was about them or that I was just talking about recaps in oh general. Oh, my God. Like when I woke up in the morning, there was like 5,000 comments on it. How do you it ever had been post shared a million times. To- no, this is what I mean. I haven't. It had been shared a million times. I had really prominent comedians who I really respect sending me private messages telling me I'm a fucking asshole and like people saying, oh, Rosie Waterland says that she invented recaps, like get the fuck over yourself. Like, and it was so <laughs> devastating. And so at first I tried to, I woke up in the morning and I was like, oh, they don't, they've misunderstood. This was just about a friendship fight. This wasn't about recaps. And so I put up this post like, oh no, that's not what I meant. You guys, I just had a fight with this girl. Like, <laughs> It's not, it's but not it about you. Yeah. But it didn't matter. It, everyone was just like, nah, you are just the most arrogant, worst person in the world. We all hate you. And it became one of those things where the online writing, and I'm sure you would know the comedy community, loves a pile on like when someone's getting it you just 
And so, I like to watch them. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Which is like, and you feel like shit because you totally. love watching it when it totally. happens. Totally. And then when it happens to you, you're like, oh, motherfucker. Yeah. Um, and so everyone was piling on. All, and the worst part was it was people who I really respect and admire and like. And I was so embarrassed. And so I put up this post trying to explain and then they were just like. Can I just add, though, it is, it is the most uh, uh, communities full of the most insecure and <laughs> reaching for approval creative types yeah. of co- that are going to take a person. <laughs> when it's got nothing to do I with know. them. So it's not like you're like posting on the tr- like <laughs> the tradesman's union. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I know. It was just and then and so I was the next morning I bait like it just wouldn't stop. People were messaging me privately, horrible stuff. And they all, when they, it were on Twitter, like I was trending nationally on Twitter because people would tag you because they want you to see the mean thing that they're saying in their tweets and stuff. And so I basically had like this huge panic attack. I was freaking out. Um, and I just like, I after an hour, I was like, okay, they're not going to stop. They don't care what it was about. <laughs> and so I just tweeted out, I said, look, everybody, I'm not handling this mentally. Um, please stop tagging me in it. So at least I don't have to see it. You know what I mean? And the thing that really upset me about it was even after I said, guys, I get that this is funny to you. I get, but I'm freaking out and mentally I'm not handling it. They still kept going, like nobody cared. And especially in the comedy community and the online writing community and the, you know, recap satire community, so many of those people have written about their own mental health problems and their own anxiety and depression and stuff. And it surprised me so much that when I said, I know I fucked up here, but I'm not handling it. Please stop. They just kept going. I was like, fuck you guys. And um, the funny thing was, though, I was um, in a writer's room at that point. Um, I was uh, in the writer's room for Offspring and um, I was in the writer's room that week. And so... You're supposed to just continue on as normal. Yeah, like, and I went in there and they were all like, whoa, you look... Because I'd, I'd been bawling my eyes out all morning. And so by the time I got there, they were like, you don't look good, Rosie. And I told them what had happened and it, and it gave me so much perspective because when I explained it to them, they were like, what? That sounds dumb. <laughs> because none of them are online people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they were like, they were like, wait, so you said something on Facebook... And then yeah, someone else break it saw down. it and then some now people on Twitter are, and then the thing and people and and they were like and they were like, Rosie, it sounds really dumb. <laughs> I was like, it is dumb. But then I was like, but it's the it's one of the major stories on the Daily Mail right now. Like I can't. I was just like, it is but being in so being in that room that day, it was actually so helpful because I was like, oh my God, there there are actually like that online Twitter world is such a bubble and the people outside of it have no idea what's going on in it. Like, it really, it really in the real world has little consequence. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, here I am in the writer's room of one of the major Australian television shows working with these incredibly renowned people in the industry. And they're just like, what the fuck? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, they, just, they had no idea. And so I never have spoken about this again because everybody asked me about it. And I think people lost a lot of respect for me. There are still people who, when you bring up my name, they go, oh, that dickhead who thinks she invented recaps. Like it's has followed me around. People are intent on hating me for it. Like I recently started dating a guy who's in the comedy community. And after a few weeks, he kind of hesitantly was like, hey, 
Can I ask you about that post you put up? I've time? never heard anything about it. Well, honestly. that's a relief. <laughs> never. <laughs> because I just, it. I feel like it's this black stain on my name now. Like a lot of people when they hear my name or think about me, they think about that. And it also just got, it became kind of folklorish in what I had done. It went from this dumb post where I ranted about this friend to Rosie Borderland says she's invented recaps and everybody copied her. And like, I was like, that's not... Not what, what I was saying. But, like, it doesn't matter. That's not what I said. People think that that's what I said. And so, I mean, I guess it just made me really cautious about posting anything ever. Yeah. So I don't really po- – like, I my social media is mainly, like, photos of my nephew. <laughs> like, I don't really put anything up. Occasionally I'll, like, put something up, you know, if I get th- – because I don't write – online anymore sometimes I have you know an opinion about something and I'll put it on my Facebook or whatever but I mean other than that I just rarely 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 put anything any thoughts in my brain onto social media ever but imagine if you'd done the direct thing and named her go guys this isn't about you it was about blah 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 yeah no I didn't want to do that I didn't want to that would have saved your ass I know but nah Nothing. That would have been you know a what? dick move. Yeah, I think, you know? see, well, I think it's people projecting their own shit onto you. Why even have a go at you? It's so weird. I it's mean, so I weird. get the way it was interpreted. I can under looking back, I can understand people looked at it and interpreted it the way that they did because I didn't provide enough context. I was just, I knew that she would read it and know that it was a, to her, but to everyone else, it was like, what's Rosie talking about going would she, on or about? She was a sociopath, would she? You know what I mean. <laughs> So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't blame people for interpreting it the way that they did because if you just read it with no context, I did sound like a fucking dickhead. Um, but what really bothered me most about that is when I was honest with people about the fact that it was really mentally affecting me, they just kept going. Kept going. And I was like, guys, that's so... Because they don't, they can't, they don't have to look you in the face and <laughs> yeah. say, it's just typing it in. It's I gutless. Know. It is. Um, to look you in the face and, and actually have a grievance, uh, they wouldn't, I bet you they wouldn't do it. Well, I think so, yeah. And so I just, I've honestly felt like um, I've been having to, with that along with the fact I worked at Mamma Mia!, I've been now having to build up respect in the industry again since that time. Like I feel like people give me shit for that. Right, like a damage control type thing. Well, not damage control. I just feel like I feel like I don't um, even know about it. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, know the good stuff. See, now I feel like an asshole because I think to me it's like this major thing, and you're like, babe, I've never heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it no, was it sticks kind with of, you. It, sti- it did really stick with me because I just felt like such an ass, and I, I felt like I deserved to be treated like an ass. I mean, I didn't deserve the pile on that I got, I think, but um, I just hate that it makes people think I'm a dick because I'm not. You're not a dick. <laughs> I'm but a nice, but, funny person. But doesn't that knowledge... I just want to tell fart jokes. <laughs> Can't I just do that in peace? But doesn't that knowledge... Like assure you enough? Doesn't that knowledge that you are that assure you that that all that shit is just shit? Like, the, well, yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a few years ago now. I think it was like two, or even maybe three years ago. Um, but when you know, 
you asked me to do this like <laughs> biggest fails thing, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that's the very first thing I well, thought it's of. It's funny. I appreciate that, that you're telling me that. It's just... It's a surprise to me. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But like, so not the same category. I mean, there but was the- even, because I deleted the post, obviously, when I realised how bad it was, but obviously people had screenshotted it. And then there was a Reddit thread, like with the screenshot of the post. And there was even like friends of my ex-boyfriends on the Reddit thread saying like, oh yeah, my friend dated her. She's crazy. Like all this stuff. I was like, this is just going this is crazy. It's crazy. The internet just snowballs things in this crazy, crazy way. I know I go through this a lot. Do you ever feel like shame about your emotional reactions and acting? I, I, I like act on them and then I have such shame I go why did I say that why did I do that why couldn't I be more controlled and it's like I'm bad and therefore I should feel bad do you ever feel like that or all the time yeah Yeah. because I'm such a sensitive person and I'm very like I can get very emotional and I also have because of my childhood I have post-traumatic stress disorder and one of my major triggers is feeling um betrayed by people close to me because that's like I, a lot of kids who've, whose parents have abused or abandoned them get that. And so I tend to really overreact when I feel like I've been let down. Go straight or, back to that place. Yeah. yeah. And so I have to be like I I have to be very careful. Like I, I feel like I question every emotion that I have. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Which gets same. exhausting. And I think women do that women generally. Women do that, yeah, yeah. And it gets exhausting. And that's, and that's another reason why if you have, you know, an online platform, I was very reckless when I first built a fan base with what I would put up. Every time I had a thought, I was like, fuck this and yeah. whatever. But, but I've learned over the years now because I think I've been sort of in the public, I think it's been like five years, yeah. about five years now. I've definitely learned now to um, just take a step, <laughs> take a step back, take a breath um, because there are ramifications for every reaction that you have to every single thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Especially online. I'm just wondering if it's like do you feel like more calm as a result or is it just more... I don't want you feeling trapped and that you can't express yourself, but you just feel like you've reached the next level of metamorphosis and of expression. You can have a think and a... Yeah, you know, I think a huge part of it is not working um, online anymore. I mean, um, you know, I worked at Mamma Mia as a full-time writer for a couple of years, three years, I think. Yeah, about two and a half years full-time in the office. And the nature of working for not just that company, I feel like people give them a lot of shit for being the only, like, um, you know, writer of clickbait in the world. It's like, no, they're not. No, it's just (laughs) girls doing it. Relax, people. Um, So people give them a lot of shit. But I will admit that when I was there, there was a lot of pressure to have opinions and to have them very quickly. There was a culture of, like... 
if you came to a morning meeting with like, oh, something Koshi said kind of annoyed me this morning, it would be like, don't think, just write it, publish it by 10. You know what I mean? Oh, it was like... React and write. Yeah, yep. it was react and write. There was very much culture of that. And, um, and you know, I don't, that works for them. It got them a lot of clicks. It, it meant that I there's things online that I've written if I went back through like the archives of everything I'm ri- that I've written that I'm embarrassed about. Because it was my first full-time writing job. I'd never worked in the industry before. I went from a call centre to Mamma Mia. So I was being trained there. So this is how I thought things were. And so you just sort of had to come... Like, our deadlines were an hour at most. And so you had to write, like, this, like... What should take you days to think about and consider and, and, Both and articulate? And and, yeah. But it was just like, nah, Koshi pissed me off this morning. Blah, 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 just type it out and then hit publish. And then just like you had to. But then who cops it if there's bad you reaction? <laughs> That's you right. Do. And so when uh, leaving, um, I. When I published my first book in 2015, I stopped. I just started freelancing for them. So I mainly just did bachelor recaps for them. I wasn't in the office anymore. And it was kind of like finally seeing the light. Like, oh, my God, I can actually put thought into what I say and write. Like, I, I have can, time. Oh, my God. I <laughs> Something really annoyed me and I can take five days to think about whether or not I want to say anything at all. Yeah, like, well. Um, and so it, it not working for an online publication with just ridiculous deadlines really has changed the entire way I approach yeah. writing. And I don't ever want to write opinion again. Like I, ugh, the idea of it just makes me, yeah. I still get emails like, cause technically I'm a freelancer now and I get emails from lots of people saying, Oh, you know, it's usually about fat stuff or about reality TV stuff. <laughs> I'm like, I'm one of the only like fat writers. So I'll always get, um, emails if something's happened, like about Roxanne Gay or whatever, do you want to write something? Or I'll get emails if something major happens reality TV-wise, do you want to write something? And I just always say no. I'm like, I just don't do opinion anymore. No. I'm just, I'm, no. It's not what I do. I, want, I tell stories. I don't want to have opinions on what other people do. You know what I mean? Well, I just want to do stuff. I think that's the difference. You're not looking for the attention and the clicks. No, it's just, I, I just, was. I just want to create something. That's the difference. Yeah, 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 I just want to create stuff. Mm. And it's like when I was doing The Bachelor, I got asked a lot to be a TV critic. Like I probably could have built quite a successful career as a critic then because I was getting asked to critique stuff all the time. And I turned it all down because I was like... I don't want to critique work. I want to create work that is critiqued. <laughs> we need more people yeah. like you. And I'm sure I probably could have ended up like, you know, Angela Bishop or something, which is a great, amazing, successful career, but, but it's not what I wanted. Oh, so that, I, I just fucking bravo. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm probably not... Um, financially doing as well as if I'd followed that path I'd probably would you it's know it's have about. bought a house by now but it's who gives not, a shit yeah who you, cares you're not happy with what you're doing yeah who cares inside. so um so that's sort of yeah well it's it's been really nice it's scary being a freelancer but not having to write opinion every day not having to critique shit every day not having to work to hourly deadlines just getting to be creative and tell stories and Oh, I'm so much happier. I have one more question. Okay. But it's kind of a bit 
uh, we're going back with the making friends thing and, and with your feeling so betrayed when this person is probably, you know, most likely completely exploited you and used you yeah. even though you'd opened up. Do you think perhaps you had that reaction that you did, that it was strong because exactly what you thought would happen happened? You opened up and someone fucked with you. <laughs> That's a good point. That's probably why I overreacted the way that I did. Um, very uh, say, pub- very say, publicly. You say it's an overreaction, but I think it's justified. When you've been through that and someone exploits you like that and then the, prof- the prophecy is fulfilled, you're going to get the shits and you're going to yeah. be angry and hurt and back to that little girl like that yeah. I know personally that kids used to run away from. And like, uh, Same. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I react like that. And when people, when I feel people are running away, I get I completely regress. Is that? Do you think there's something? Yeah, to, yeah, I do, and I I think I find it so hard to make friends now. A huge part of it is because of me. I mean, like I've had there are so many people who I'm sort of acquaintances with who've tra- who I so badly want to be friends with, like yeah. Jen Fricker and Nikia Louie, oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. even you and Sarah and Deli and stuff, and. And they always reach out to me and try to get me to come to lunch. And I'm like, yes, yes. But part of my brain is like, they don't really want to be your friend. Like, and so I, I'm the one, I'm my own obstacle when it comes to making right. friends. I'm terrible at it. Like I just, I don't. Because, and I, because me, and been, it is that fear there. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. That, wow, this has gotten so perfect. Oh my God. I feel like I'm learning so much. <laughs> Mind blown. Well, there's, oh my God. You know, there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. Mm. With what, And first of all, it's like acknowledging it. But the, when your natural reaction is to go, I don't want to take that next step because I've done that before and it's been really painful. I'm going to protect myself by not crossing yeah. that threshold to genuine friendship because it's your fucking brain's way of protecting you. Yeah. You know, like um, protecting your heart. So if, it's, there's nothing wrong. If you can see it that way. I guess I can. I can, Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> Just, that's how I see it because uh, I used to be like, you're you're preventing this. You're the problem. You should feel bad. And yeah. I'm trying to get into that thing of like, no, this is a normal, natural feeling that's come from your experiences. Yeah. So either we understand it and go with it or we um, maybe question it and maybe act a bit differently and see if we can lessen the hold it has over us. Oh I don't gosh, know. Gosh, yes. <laughs> Oh my God. I'm, it's not wrong what you're I'm doing. I'm going to walk away from this like a new person. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to like see me in a month and I'm just going to be like the most popular person in Sydney. <laughs> I think you're already that, Rosie. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I, don't know I went to that. the fucking show. You uh, are. Uh, but let's, let's leave it there. That's okay. really good. You you already are. So, um, uh, yeah. Oh, Oprah, thanks. <laughs> all right. You get a podcast <laughs> and you get a podcast. All right. Bye. bye. What's incredible and unique about Rosie is not only does she embrace her past in its entirety, she celebrates every ounce of who she is and how she came to be the successful person she is today. Rosie is honest, unapologetic, funny and incredibly caring and kind because her journey has made her grateful for what she's earned. She embraces failure as an essential part of success and I admire the way she views her mistakes as things to learn from. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to share your fails with me, you can contact me on my Facebook page or Twitter. Fail! Listener.